إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we've been learning the aqidah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah going through the various aspects uh, regarding the belief of Ahlul Sunnah. The latest thing that we were studying in the previous lessons was regarding the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we come to the statement of the author, Yahdi man yasha' وَيَعْصِمُ وَيُعَافِي فَضْلًا وَيُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَخْذُلُ وَيَبْتَلِ عَدْلًا In this section, Imam al-Tahawi is carrying on talking about the issue of the decree and regarding how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whom He wills and protects them with his virtue, and misguides whom he wills, and tests them with his justice. This we already explained previously, generally, and that was how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the ability to choose, Allah has given us the ability to make choices between that which is right and that which is wrong, Choice to obey Him and choice to disobey. And that is what you will be held accountable upon on the day of judgment. The choices of good or the choices of bad that you make. So Allah guides some and misguides others. Meaning some people they make those choices of evil. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that path of evil laid out for them, that path of evil that they chose, that path of misguidance that they are upon. Similarly, it is not within our hands to be able to guide anyone. And Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ that you cannot guide whom you love. But indeed, Allah is the one who guides. This ayah was revealed, they say, at the incident of the death of Abu Talib. When Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ was dying on his deathbed, in his last moments, last breaths, the Prophet ﷺ went to him to try and guide him even in that last moment. But Abu Talib did not accept the da'wah and he remained upon the religion of shirk and died upon that. Even though the Prophet ﷺ really wanted him to accept and made the effort to go on his deathbed even, 
to try and convince him in the last chance. But he didn't. And so the ayah was revealed that you cannot guide whom you love. Rather Allah is the one who guides. Meaning you don't have control over who is guided and who is not. You don't have control over who will accept the truth and the the da'wah and the message of Islam and who will not. You do not have the capacity to control the hearts of mankind. Rather that guidance, that inner light, it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why with the prophets and the messengers and all of us, all we are able to do is give da'wah to people. You explain to them the path of tawheed and warn them against the path of shirk. Explain to them the path of the sunnah. Warn them against the path of bid'ah. But that doesn't mean everybody will accept what you're saying. It doesn't mean everybody will accept what you say and believe you and accept that path. Some will oppose you and they will refuse to accept what you tell them. That isn't in your control. That isn't in your capacity to control. Upon you is to give the da'wah, to clarify to the people the truth. And that is the message or that is the, the mission the prophets and the messengers had. To clarify the truth to the people, warn them against shirk and the evil. That doesn't mean they had ability to control who will accept and who will not. They did not. They gave the message. Some accepted, some did not. In fact, the majority mostly did not. They opposed their messengers and didn't take the da'wah they were given. But that is not any accountability upon the prophets and messengers. Upon them is simply to propagate, to give that message out, to teach the tawheed, to teach the sunnah. Then whomsoever accepts or does not, then that is not in your control, nor is it in the control of the prophets and the messengers. Then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, وَكُلُّهُمْ يَتَقَلَّبُونَ فِي مَشِئَتِهِ بَيْنَ فَضْلِهِ وَعَدْلِهِ That all of creation, we are within the will of Allah. We are in movement within the will of Allah. What occurs to us, between the virtue of Allah upon us, or the justice of Allah upon us. They mention these points, the virtue of Allah, and the justice of Allah. If you are given goodness, then it is by the virtue of Allah that you are given goodness. If you are decreed some bad, then that is by the or not decreed bad, but the one who is punished, the one who is punished, given some punishment, then that is done by the justice of Allah. Justice to highlight that Allah does not oppress anyone. Anybody who receives a punishment, like for example in the stories of the prophets and messengers, 
how nations were destroyed in the past. Pharaoh and all of his people destroyed, drowned. Was any of that oppression? Never. All of that upon justice from Allah on them for what they had earned and what they deserved. No oppression. So whenever anything of that nature occurs, some punishment upon a person or the destruction of a nation, then it is upon the justice of Allah that this occurs. And when goodness occurs and and the, the, the reward occurs to a people, then that is by the virtue of Allah that they are given that. Virtue of Allah, because it is not like we deserve anything or that we have any rights upon Allah to give us anything. Rather, it is the virtue of Allah that He gives us what He gives us. Ibn Abil Izzal Hanafi mentions, فَإِنَّهُمْ كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ فَمِنْكُمْ كَافِرٌ وَمِنْكُمْ مُؤْمِنٌ He is the one who created you. So from amongst you are those who are kafir, and amongst you are those who are believers. Some kuffar, some believers. Everybody within that decree of Allah فَمَنْ هَدَاهُ إِلَى الْإِيمَانِ فَبِفَضْلِهِ So those who are guided upon iman, then that is by the virtue of Allah upon them. وَلَهُ الْحَمْدِ And all praise is due to Allah. وَمَنْ أَضَلَّهُ فَبِعَدْلِهِ And those who have been misguided, then it is by the justice of Allah. Justice of Allah for those who have been misguided. وسيأتي لهذا المعنى زيادة إيضاح and that is going to be explained further later on in the book also. Then Imam Al-Tahawi says وهو متعال عن الأضداد والأنداد This now an important point summarizing some of the topics we covered before. That Allah is the most high, elevated above, raised above any partners or equals. That Allah is far superior and above and elevated over any partners or resemblance. Al-Zid al-Mukhalif wal-Nid al-Mithl fahuwa subhanahu la mu'arada lahum. So neither does Allah have any resemblance, anyone similar to Him. Neither does Allah have any opponents. There is nobody who can be an opponent to Allah. There is nobody who can put a challenge against Allah. So Allah does not have any opponents. Neither does Allah have any resemblance. Allah is superior and far above Elevated above all of his creation. فَهُوَ سُبْحَانَهُ لَا مُعَارِضَ لَهُ بَلْ مَا شَاءَ كَانْ وَمَا لَمْ يَشَأْ لَمْ يَكُنْ So there is no opponent to Allah. Whatever Allah wills, it will be. And whatever Allah does not will, then it will not be. There is nobody who can oppose that uh, against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is something which is mentioned 
in Surah Al-Ikhlas, when Allah told us, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ Say that He is Allah, the One. One and unique. No partners, no resemblance, no equals, no opponents. He is the One and the Unique. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ so in that surah it goes on and it mentions, وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And that Allah does not have any equal, any partner, anyone resembling Him. All of that highlighting, He is the Most High, elevated and raised, no partners, no equals, nobody able to be an opponent to Allah. Then Imam Al-Tahawi says, لَا رَادَّ لِقَضَائِهِ وَلَا مُعَقِّبَ لِحُكْمِهِ وَلَا غَالِبَ لِأَمْرِهِ Firstly, three points here. لَا رَادَّ لِقَضَائِهِ There is nobody who can shun the decree of Allah. What is decreed is decreed and will occur. There is nobody who can stop or Prevent the decree of Allah from occurring. La radda liqadaihi. Nobody can prevent what Allah decrees to occur for it to occur. Secondly, la muaqiba lihukmihi. That there is nobody who can delay or hold back. The ruling of Allah, the decree of Allah. There is nobody who can delay or hold back what Allah decrees and what Allah uh, 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 does upon His wisdom. And thirdly, la ghaliba li amrihi. There is nobody who can overcome the rulings of Allah. The commands of Allah, the decree of Allah. There is nobody who can overcome and overpower the decree of Allah. So nobody can prevent the decree of Allah from occurring. Nobody can delay it from occurring. And nobody can overcome it. All of that decree of Allah, what Allah decrees, it will be. And what is not decreed, then it will not be. So then after explaining all of those points, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi then says, آمَنَّا بِذَلِكَ كُلِّهِ وَأَيْقَنَّا أَنَّا كُلَّا مِّنْ عِنْدِهِ He says all of this now. We believe in all of that. We believe in all of that. Everything we've spoken about in this session so far, all of that about the names and attributes of Allah, everything about the decree of Allah, all of this he says we have absolute iman in all of that. And we have absolute iman that all of that is from Allah. All of these names and attributes and decree and everything it is from Allah. We have absolute iman in all of that. 
Then he now moves on to a different topic. All of that so far, he has been giving some details about names of Allah, attributes of Allah, how we affirm the attributes, but we don't go into imagination of them, etc. All of that we've been discussing for a few weeks now. He then moves on to this other topic. And now it is the topic of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبَدُهُ الْمُصْطَفَى That indeed Muhammad is the servant of Allah, the chosen one. وَنَبِيُّهُ الْمُجْتَبَى And his selected prophet. وَرَسُولُهُ الْمُرْتَضَى And his messenger that Allah is pleased with. So now he's going to talk about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That Muhammad is the chosen servant of Allah, the selected prophet of Allah, and the messenger of Allah that Allah is pleased with. That of course we know comes in the actual shahada itself. When you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. And that you bear testification, Muhammad is the abduhu, servant of Allah, wa rasooluhu, and the messenger of Allah. That part of the shahada, it needs to be understood by every Muslim properly. The shahada that you bear testification, Muhammad, is the servant and the messenger of Allah. That has certain meanings behind it that you need to recognize. Four main meanings. There are four main meanings that a person needs to recognize regarding his testimony that Muhammad is the servant and messenger of Allah, the last messenger of Allah. Number one, when you testify to that, Muhammad is the servant and messenger of Allah, then you're testifying to four things. One is, طَاعَتُهُ fima amara. That you will obey the messenger in what he commanded. Make sense? You're testifying Muhammad is the servant and messenger of Allah. So you're testifying Allah gave him revelation. So therefore you are now going to obey what he teaches you. That is the messenger from Allah, chosen and sent by Allah, given revelation from Allah. He's now taught you, upon you is to therefore... Obey him in what he teaches you. If you are affirming he is the messenger of Allah and that he got revelation from Allah, then obey him. That is point number one. In your testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, point number one is, therefore you will obey him in what he commanded us. You will follow the sunnah. You will follow the commandments and the obligations. And that is just as Allah told us to do in the Qur'an. 
وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوا Whatever the messenger gives you, then take it. Allah said in the Quran, Whatever the messenger gives you, then take it, accept it, practice it. وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبُوا أَفَنْتَهُ And that which he prohibits you from, then stay away from it. And that is point number two of your testification, that you will stay away from what he prohibited you from. Point number one, you will obey him in what he commanded you. Point two, you will stay away from what he prohibited you from. That is clear too. You are testifying he is the messenger of Allah. The messenger of Allah is telling you such and such is haram. Your testifying is the messenger of Allah. Therefore, stay away from what he tells you is haram. So point one, obey him in what he commands you. Point two, stay away, abstain, refrain from that which he prohibits you. Point three, anybody? Point three. Generally, that's a general point. But there are four specific points. When you testify Muhammad is the servant and the messenger of Allah, there are four things that you need to remember. He's the last messenger, that's part of the testimony. And number three, you could say though, تَصْدِيقُهُ فِيمَا أَخْبَرَ That you will believe in everything he told us. He told us about the Day of Judgment and what's going to happen. He told us about the barzakh and the grave and what's going to happen. He told us many things. You will believe with certainty everything the Messenger وسلم, told us about. So all of the sunnah that tells you about the Day of Judgment, what's going to happen. All of the sunnah telling you about the angels, about uh, the grave and the barzakh and the trial of the grave and punishment and all these things. The Messenger وسلم, told us about you will have absolute faith in all of that. You are testifying he is the messenger of Allah. That Allah gave him revelation. So therefore, surely you believe and have faith in what he tells you. That is point number three of your testification that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. You believe and have faith in all of the news, the information that he gave us. About the hereafter, the the angels, the barzakh, the various things, the signs of the day of judgment. You believe in all of that absolutely without any doubt. And number four. Number four, anybody? Number four is, Allah يُعْبَدُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِمَا شَرَعَهُ that you will only worship Allah in the way that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught us. Because how did we learn how to worship Allah? Who taught us? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Where did he learn from? From Allah. Revelation. Allah gave the revelation to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. 
giving him the revelation of this religion. He then taught us, so we learned how to worship Allah through the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So we will only worship Allah in the way that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi taught us. Anybody who wants to worship Allah in some other way, that was not taught by the Prophet ﷺ, then very logically, easily you can understand from the very basis that can't be right. How are you going to worship Allah in a way that was never taught by the Prophet ﷺ? Because how are you going to know that way is right or wrong then? If it was never taught by the Prophet ﷺ. The methods of worshipping Allah, the sunnah, that was taught by the Prophet ﷺ, we know that's okay, that's how you worship Allah, we got proof, because it's in the sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ said, do this, do that, do this. If you make something up that isn't in the sunnah, it wasn't taught by the Prophet ﷺ, then how can you determine whether it's correct or false? The only measurement people have is their intellect. Well, it sounds good, it looks good. Surely Allah will be pleased if we do X, Y, and Z. That's only your logic and your intellect and your smartness you think you can work out. Surely Allah will be pleased with us if we do this. Surely this is only a sign of our love for Allah. You can't use those arguments. Because Allah has already told you in the Qur'an, you can't use those arguments. Allah said in the Qur'an, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ Say that if you truly love Allah, then all you have to do is one thing. If you truly love Allah, you don't have to make up this or that and say, surely Allah will be okay with this, it's an act of worship. Surely Allah will be pleased with us if we celebrate the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ and show nobility and respect for our messenger. Surely, Allah tells you, if you want to show your love for Allah, you just have to do one thing. That one thing is, follow me, follow him. Follow the revelation, what's in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. What you've been told to do, how to worship Him. Stick to that and do that at least. All these people out there, they don't even stick to that and already they want to make up new things. They don't even fulfill the worships that are mentioned and already they want to go and make up new things. They come and celebrate the birthday of the Prophet They go out on a parade all day and maybe half of them in the parade don't even pray their five prayers every day. The Prophet told you to pray five prayers every day. Allah told you to pray five prayers every day. You don't even do that yet. But you want to go and make up other worships and do other things? Makes no sense. So the fourth point is, you will only worship Allah in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed us of. Uh, that the Messenger informed us of. In the uh, uh, accordance to the sunnah, in accordance to what was revealed therein. That is the four points with regards to Ashhadu Anna Muhammadan Abiduhu wa Rasulum. Then there are two other points to make with regards to your testification that Muhammad is the servant and the messenger of Allah. You say Ashhadu Anna Muhammadan Abiduhu wa Rasuluhu. Two things. You testify Muhammad is the servant of Allah and that he is the messenger of Allah. That is important. When you testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the servant of Allah, then it is to highlight that you are not 
upon the deviated aqidah of some people who believe that he was more than just a servant of Allah. That he was more than just a human. He was made out of light as they say. He used to walk without a shadow as they say. And all of it is lies. He was human in that regard. He had a shadow. He was human. He used to eat. He used to drink. He was human. He used to marry. He was human in that regard. So you're testifying. Muhammad is the servant of Allah. We're not going to say he was supernatural and made out of light and he walked without any shadow. We're not going to make up these supernatural things. You are saying, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu. He is the servant of Allah. Of course we know, he is the best of all of the servants. Yes, but he is a servant of Allah. We're not going to start having these false types of beliefs, these supernatural beliefs that he was made out of light or that when Allah created all of the heavens and the earth, the first thing that was created was the light. And then from the light of the Prophet, all of the creation was created. None of it proven anywhere. These are the types of supernatural exaggerated beliefs people have. Or that the Prophet, you need to go to his grave and supplicate to him and ask him and he'll take your dua to Allah for you. All of that is false. We've not been taught to do any of that. So, when you testify Muhammad is the servant of Allah, then it means you're testifying and accepting that there's nothing supernatural. There's nothing in terms of these exaggerated and deviated beliefs that people have. That he was something more than humans. He was a human in that way. And he died. Allah told us in the Quran, He will die and you will die. And he died. He ate, he drank, he married, all of the things like that. So you are testifying he is the servant of Allah. He is not superior in terms of having any characteristics of Allah. He is not the one that you make your dua to. You don't call upon the Prophet Muhammad. Rather you call upon Allah. Having said that, you then follow that up by saying that he is abduhu wa rasooluhu. That he is the messenger of Allah. That is to highlight that you understand and you believe that he is the messenger of Allah, given the revelation from Allah, and that those four points we've just mentioned are going to be applicable. You're going to obey him in the commandments, stay away from the prohibitions, believe in everything he told us, and only worship Allah in the manner he taught us. You affirm he is the messenger of Allah. So you affirm you will take the sunnah and practice it. That is therefore a refutation of the people who neglect the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. You have for example the Qur'aniyun, a group of people who call themselves the Qur'an people. They are the ones who say that they follow everything in the Qur'an, but they won't follow anything in the sunnah, in the hadith. What the Prophet ﷺ taught us. They say that we're not going to follow, we'll just follow everything in the Qur'an. False, incorrect, wrong. In the Qur'an, Allah tells you to follow also the sunnah. In the Qur'an, Allah tells you follow the sunnah too. So if they really were following the Qur'an, they should have to do that. Means they're not really following the Qur'an properly either. 
So all of that is a falsehood, an exaggeration or a neglect. They are neglecting the right of the Prophet ﷺ. The right of the Prophet ﷺ is that he is to be followed in the commands he gave and the prohibitions and that revelation from Allah to him. We follow in all of that guidance he gave us. And it would be neglect for you to say we're not going to follow the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. So you affirm he is Rasulullah. Messenger of Allah And we're gonna give those rights And follow the messenger So when you balance the two up together You say He is the servant of Allah Therefore that's a refutation Upon the people who go into Exaggeration Regarding the Prophet They begin saying he was made out of light And supernatural and this and that You say no, he was the servant of Allah but then at the same time you say, he was also the messenger of Allah though. That is therefore a refutation upon all of those people who fall into neglect. This bunch, they fall into exaggeration and say he was more than just a servant of Allah. The other bunch, they fall into neglect and they don't even bother following the sunnah, even though he is the messenger of Allah. So you refute both parties, both extremes, and you are in the middle. He is the servant of Allah, but he is the messenger of Allah. So we're not going to say anything supernatural, but he is the messenger, so we are going to follow him. That is the balanced middle way. And you can see how that is very clear and very understandable. Neither do you exaggerate, neither do you go into neglect, neither do you go into exaggeration saying he was light and this and that, no shadow when he walked and whatever else. And neither are you going to go into neglect and say we're not going to follow the sunnah. No exaggeration, no neglect. He was a servant of Allah. But he was the messenger of Allah. And he was the seal of all of the prophets and messengers also. He was the final prophet and messenger. As he said, لا نبي بعدي There is no other prophet who will come after me. And so that testimony... The testimony anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluhu. It's an important testimony to remember those points. Firstly, that there are four points within that testimony, and they are that you will obey him in what he commanded. You will stay away from what he prohibited. You will believe in all of the information and the news and details he gave us about various things. And you will only worship Allah in the way that He taught us. You will only worship Allah in the manner that the Prophet ﷺ taught us to worship Allah. You're not going to make up some new way that the Prophet never taught us. And then on top of that, you need to remember these other two points. That when you are testifying Muhammad is the servant and the messenger of Allah... You are refuting the people who exaggerate and you're also refuting the people who neglect and you are taking the middle path, the balanced path, the path that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. Because the Prophet ﷺ taught us not to exaggerate nor to neglect. In one narration he mentioned, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم The Prophet ﷺ said, do not elevate me, do not raise me up to the level like what the Christians did with Isa alayhi salam. Prophet said that. 
Don't make me like how the Christians made Isa alayhi salam, Jesus. They raised him so much, they began to say he is a part of God. Yet he was a messenger, not a part of God, a messenger of Allah. But they exaggerated, exaggerated until they began to say he is God himself. So the Prophet said, no, don't do that with me. Said to the Muslims, do not raise me up like the Christians raised up Isa Jesus to that level where they began saying he is a part of God, not just a messenger of God. People don't understand this concept. There was an occasion, I remember a long time ago, a person was trying to justify celebrating the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. And his justification was, his reason was, this was like some radio show, some radio show. He rang in and he said to the host, but look, Look at the Christians. Look how much respect they give to Isa alayhi salam. Look how much they raise Isa alayhi salam. We love Muhammad more than that. So if they celebrate his birthday 25th of December, we should celebrate the birthday of Muhammad sallallahu even bigger. This is his justification. This is how he justified it and he didn't know obviously. The Prophet sallallahu said exactly don't do that. Don't try and make me how they made Isa alayhi salam because they went wrong doing that. They exaggerated doing that. They went too far. They started saying he is God, he is this, he is that. When he was a messenger only. So this person, this is the type of ignorance and what the shaitan whispers into people. That look at how they give respect. You should give respect to your messenger like that. They celebrate his birthday every year. You do it and make it a huge festival every year. Bigger than them. So then the shaitan makes the Muslims fall into bid'ah. Fall into innovation with this type of whispering. So that is what Imam Tahawi is discussing here now. Uh, and it mentions here that Allah in several places in the Quran affirms that Muhammad is not any of this what people of innovation say, supernatural and whatever else. That he was a servant of Allah. And Allah calls him that in the Quran. Allah calls the Prophet his servant. So Allah says, for example, Subhanallahi asra bi'abdihi. Talking about the night of al-Isra al-Mi'raj. Allah says, He is the one who took His servant. Asra bi'abdihi. Servant. And that's referring to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In another narration, in another ayah, فَأَوْحَا إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ That Allah revealed the revelation to His abdihi, servant. In another one, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِّمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَبْدِنَا If you are in doubt about what we have revealed to our servant, وَأَنَّهُ لَمَّا قَامَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَدْعُوهُ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ The servant of Allah. So all of this is to highlight that we do not go into exaggeration 
with the Prophet ﷺ, like some of the people of innovation did. We do not go into any supernatural beliefs as the people do. Some of them in their books, they say things like that story, they mention one of the stories from amongst their stories. They say there was a great imam uh, or a poet. He was a beautiful poet. So he wrote some poetry about the Prophet ﷺ. But this poet didn't used to live in Medina. He used to live in some other place, Palestine, Syria, somewhere. But he wrote some beautiful poetry about the Prophet ﷺ. After the Prophet had died. This was after the Prophet had died. One day, eventually, that poet, from whichever country he lived, got a chance to come to Medina. Maybe he did Umrah or something and then came to Medina. So they say... Obviously they believe this poet was a great Sufi. They say when this poet came to Medina, and he came to the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ, and then he came to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ came out of his grave, and said to the poet, I wanted to thank you for that beautiful poetry, and he shook the hand of the poet and all these things. And the Prophet wanted to come out to praise him. Jazakallah for that beautiful poetry and everything. This is the stories they write in their books. Exaggeration like this. Exaggeration stories made up with no basis to them whatsoever. We don't have any of these types of supernatural beliefs in our religion. Allah has given us the Quran, given us the Sunnah, it's there. What is proven by the evidence as we believe. So yes, we believe in the world of the jinn, proven. In the Qur'an, in the Sunnah, the angels, the day of judgment, all these things are shown and proven in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. But outside of that, believing all made up types of things, that isn't our religion. So that is where we'll round off for today then. We'll carry on with this. It's now going to be after Ramadan we carry on with this. Before that though, we are going to carry on the Sunday classes. But the next Sunday, and the one after that, and the one after that, the next four Sundays now, I think we only have two Sundays now before Ramadan, two weekends left before Ramadan, so two Sundays before Ramadan, then the first two Sundays of Ramadan itself, four altogether, we're going to do a brief uh, fiqh of Ramadan course. So we're going to put this on hold, pause this until after Eid, now because Ramadan is here, you have to use this opportunity. Everybody needs to learn all the rules and the regulations and the fiqh of Ramadan. So we're going to put this on hold, pause it till after Eid. Next four Sundays is going to be a fiqh of Ramadan course, going through all the various rulings, all the classical topics about can you use the, the, the Met office to check the moon and do it or not. Is it 8 taraweeh or 20? All of these things that people talk about. These fiqh issues about Ramadan next four weeks, we'll be discussing those bit by bit, inshallah ta'ala. So from next week, we'll start with that. Invite your friends, family, everybody. It'll be very suitable for them. Four weeks, four Sundays, learning about Ramadan, the fiqh of Ramadan. Now it's coming. You want to make sure it's all done properly and you do everything according to the sunnah. So from next Sunday, we'll start that. Put this on hold. Till after Eid, we'll come back to it, inshallah.